Welcome to Modern Musings, conversations with the maiden, mother, and crone, looking at ourselves through the lens of the 21st century. Hello, welcome to Modern Musings. I hope you guys had a happy Mother's Day. I'm Amber, and um, I'm here with my two co-hosts, Kristen Hessler and Cindy Murray. Hello. Hello. How's it going, everyone? And uh, we're back today, and we're going to talk about living with mental illness. And we have a guest speaker today for the first time on our podcast. We have Ashley Roberts. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So Ashley is the niece of Cindy and the cousin of Kristen, and she is currently going to Texas Woman's University and about to graduate with her bachelor's in psychology. And so we brought her here for this special topic because we'd like to get her unique perspective on the subject. And also, um, as Ashley is a member of my family, she has also lived with the um, mental illness issues that are in my family. So she is seeing it from another perspective as well. Yes, Yes, and that's definitely what we're here to do today is look at the different perspectives of mental illness. So, Ashley, tell me, what exactly is mental illness? Um, Well, it's a little hard to define. I can give you the dictionary definition of it, which is a wide range of behaviors that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. And usually we define or whenever we're diagnosing someone who has a mental health diagnosis, we'll usually look for what we call the four D's of abnormality, which are deviance, distress, dysfunction, and danger. And whenever a mental health professional is assessing someone, they'll search for signs of someone's behavior is deviating from their usual cultural norm. That's a sign. If their behavior is dangerous, if they're causing harm to themselves or others, If their behavior is dysfunctional, it's interrupting their normal daily functions in life and they're just having a lot of difficulty. And if their behavior is causing them a lot of emotional or physical distress, those are usually the signs that we will look for and that someone would progress into trying to be diagnosed, essentially. What are some examples of mental illness? Um, Well, there can be several. And of course, it's I've mentioned cultural norms, of course, and that can kind of play into it. Every culture has a different idea of behaviors or ways of thinking that are within the norm in their culture. So it can just be very hard to define a mental health diagnosis. And even the word mental illness, like we're not, there's a lot of push in psychology from using, even moving away from saying mental illness, because whenever we hear the word illness, we hear, we have sort of a negative association with that word. We're thinking illness, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with you. We need to fix you. So a lot of the times we just even say mental health. Someone is experiencing 
a problem with their mental health or we'll say that they're having a mental health diagnosis. Oh, I like that better because I'm not sick. I just have a different yeah. way of living. I'm not yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and exactly. My it's... brain thinks differently or whatever. Yeah. Right. When I think of yeah. illness, I think of like being sick, like having a flu and, you know, there's. I'm going to be cured. Mm, yeah. There's something wrong with you right. that you need to be cured. Which um, kind of goes back to what the early days of asylums where they thought that people with mental or, you know, mental disorders, mental illness needed to be cured. So they would essentially right. torture the shock them. Shock therapy. Shock therapy. You. And to bring them back to what normal, quote unquote, way of thinking but really what is normal oh that's a good point like you were talking about the social norms too because a hundred years ago social norms maybe a promiscuous girl might have been sent to the asylum because her parents didn't understand why she was promiscuous they thought she had a mental illness right or or a a homosexual i mean yes until not even that more recently recently. yeah Yeah, it's definitely a very recent with the promiscuous girls also very recent it can also play into culture because different cultures have different ways of behaving and different ways of thinking and so counselors really are trying i mean a lot of my professors are really pushing the idea of counseling through a multicultural perspective where you're wanting to understand someone else's culture and wanting to understand well this is how that they view things so maybe the way i'm helping them is not going to you know, vibe well with them because that's not the way that they perceive things and that's not how their cultural norm is. So I need to kind of work with them and help them in the way that they can understand. Yeah, that's definitely a good way of looking at it, like um, coming from a different cultural perspective. I never thought about like a therapist actually having to take into consideration someone's socioeconomical or religious background as part Mm -hmm. of their therapy yes tools to adjust the way they give someone therapy Mm -hmm. yeah there's a ton of training that goes into it and I mean I'm taking an introduction to counseling class right now and that's something that she has really stressed is if you ever find yourself in a position where you're practicing and you're working with someone and you're seeing you know I'm struggling to help this person then you're supposed to refer them to someone else and then go to someone higher up than you because that's a sign that you need to receive training and how to deal with that situation. Right, because a therapist should never be biased against yes, any yes. of the things that they're offering therapy for. Yeah, I I like the idea that we're moving into a more cultural acceptance, um, particularly in the United States, of mental illness or mental health issues being normal that we all have I I like to often say we all have our own neuroses Um, we all have something that we're battling with or struggling with or that is a little bit different than you know somebody else and so I like the the idea of normalizing that and finding ways to uh, bring that out that culture out where where you know 50 years ago they might have locked grandma up in the asylum um you know and we would never see her again now it's normal to have her living at home or whatever and and being taken care of and trying to find ways for that person to cope and we're not embarrassed by the fact that we have a depressive disorder or 
um, anxiety disorder or something like that. Th- those are two things that would have gotten someone locked up a long time ago or, and not really that long ago. So I, I really do like that, that it is becoming more the norm and we're less ashamed of that. Do well, you... I think it's healthier for families too, because oh, yeah. when people are open about having that conversation, you can realize that there are similarities within your family unit, uh, so you can see patterns mm-hmm. and um, and things like that, and and just knowing like that you can talk to your friend too about mm-hmm. it and feel safe. Yes, yes, I and I've found that myself personally. Uh, the ability to confide in my family members that I'm depressed, um, that I can confide in my friends that I have anxiety, um, being able to recognize it and address it when I see it in another family member rather than shoving it under the rug and trying to pretend that it doesn't exist. Well, see, you know, I mean, that was like a commonality thing, I want to say, in my family I mean mainly like both of my parents for years worked at uh, a state of Texas mental hospital and so 17 years ago when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder my mom looked at me and she said you there's no possible way that you could be diagnosed with that I work with people with bipolar disorder and there's no way that you could be like that and I was just like uh, and then she comes to realize later that you know your everyday person that you see on the street could have a mental disorder there's levels of uh, there's levels levels of bipolar disorder a a spectrum so to speak or a you know yeah Pretty much, yeah, a spectrum of, like, just because there's something a little bit wrong with me doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and do things outside the norm. Yeah, just like every depressed person is not suicidal. Yeah, and exactly. And, in fact, there are suicidal people who aren't necessarily depressed, oddly enough. Yeah, Do you have anything to add to that, Ashley? I think going on something you were discussing earlier about how we can be more open in it and our culture is moving more towards being open with it. I definitely agree that that's something that's happening. People are kind of realizing that, I mean, therapy is very helpful to anyone. I mean, even I mentioned earlier that I'm in an intro to counseling class and one of the things we discuss And even our textbook and through our professor is just, if you're going to become a counselor, you should consider getting therapy yourself because you need to understand yourself and understand maybe your own problems and your own biases and be able to work through that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're Mm -hmm. unable to work through that, then you're going to have a really hard time assisting someone else. Yeah, How can you help people if you can't help yourself? Yeah, and the stigma is also... It goes back to culture in a lot of ways, too, because in a lot of cultures, they just see therapy as, what's the point? Why would I pay someone to listen to me? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of, in a lot of, I mean, in also in a lot of marginalized communities, therapy is also Mm -hmm. considered, you know, we don't do that. 
basically. Right. We don't talk about our problems. We don't yeah. share those Definitely things. Definitely an yeah. old world right. thinking like uh, just rub some dirt on it. Just uh, you hurt yourself, rub some dirt on it, move on with your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't talk or think about it ever again. Sweep it under the rug. I think too, when you're talking about cultures, you can also talk about not just, you know, America versus like, yeah the east you could also talk about men's culture and women's culture oh, absolutely too, because a lot of yeah. men are finally being comfortable with their feelings for so long men have repressed their feelings absolutely as an expectation for their role yes and yeah men's roles now women's. it is acceptable to have feelings and share your feelings and i think you know, kind of bouncing off of what you were talking about, making it like uh, acceptable in society. I think a lot of people have a misinterpretation um, of what therapy is and what yes. counseling is and, mm-hmm. and what happens during that. Like, like people talk about, I don't want to pay for someone to just listen to me. It's not always just about you sitting there on a couch talking. Well, and they, and yes. a lot of people have the misnomer that, you go to a therapist and the therapist tells you everything that's wrong with no. you and this is how you fix it. And, and I believe no, everyone in this no. room right now yeah, knows you have that to fix yourself. Well, you well, and, it, and we've all been to therapy. We know what goes on there and, and yeah, it's I mean, much broader than that. Um, my, yeah, my therapist is like one of my best friends. Um, I feel that way. Um, I can go to her and talk about almost anything probably could talk about anything it's supposed yeah like ashley said it's supposed to be an unbiased opinion so say if you go and talk to your best friend or your mom or somebody like that they're gonna have a biased opinion because because they know you know you so from their perspective yeah and if you go and talk to somebody that doesn't know you then they can offer a unique perspective that maybe you or your family or your best friend hasn't thought of yet right and they don't they don't tell you what to think they don't tell you what to do they ask you very pointed questions you know how does that work what do you think of that um how is you know how is this affecting you um and they just make you look more deeply i think into yourself where you are finding the answers they may be able to recognize you may say something and they may go no wait a minute let's go back over that let's talk about that a little bit more because that just that doesn't sound (laughs) yeah they Mm -hmm. can recognize things that maybe even you aren't seeing in yourself yes absolutely yeah patterns patterns of behavior and 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 habitual phrases that you say yeah when you're you know giving your narrative of an outcome that happened. The stories that you, you tell might yourself. Say, this always happens to me, and then there they yeah, can realistically it. point out that does <laughs> yeah. that really always happen? Like, to a, you? are yeah. you just like, may you and, know, and, is it in your head or, or whatever? Well, they, and they won't ever tell you it's no. in your head either. No. They're, right. But they're they'll just say, hey, you, let's back up and talk let's, about that. Let's talk about that. What What do you mean by it always happens to you? What, what's going on when this happens to you and you break it down into these little, you know, things and you suddenly realize, well, it happens when I do this or, or whatever. And it, and it really, I, like I said, my therapist is like one of my best friends. I love her dearly because, and, and I haven't even been seeing her that long. Um, I saw her for a few, um, sessions last year and then I've started recently seeing her again, but she, 
is just very open and she listens very patiently. And I feel like she really hears what I have to say. And sometimes that's the biggest thing for me is that I, I feel like I need to be heard and validated and validated. And, and she doesn't tell me that my feelings are in my head or that my feelings are, um, unrealistic or anything like that. She just helps me work through those feelings and understand what I really am feeling and, and what I can do about it. But she never tells me anything. It's always in the form of a question, you know? Yeah. Your therapist isn't going to tell you how to think or how to feel. They're just there to help you sort of work through that and find new ways to cope, find new ways to approach different things, just to kind of assess what you're doing, basically what your patterns are and maybe how can we switch up those patterns because maybe that's not working for you. Right. That's right. like a cognitive behavioral therapist. Yes. Correct? Yes. Are yeah, there other I, types? Is, there are so oh. many different types of therapy. There's existential therapy, person-centered therapy, Freudian therapy. There's, or psychoanalysis is usually what's known as. There's, I'm literally, the intradex. Uh, counseling class that I'm taking right now that is literally the entire class I am going over every single type of therapy there possibly is and honestly your therapist doesn't just focus on one type of therapy they oh no yeah will use bits and pieces from everyone mm -hmm. they'll use they'll decide hey maybe this one works best for you maybe that one works best for you I mean there's not really one set way of so what's your favorite type that you've learned so far in school I would say maybe existential therapy which is basically, it's very interesting. It comes from um, Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he basically has the idea that everyone's life, no matter how dire their situation is, they can find meaning in their life. And he believes that we need to be able to ask ourselves questions about what our life's purpose is. And basically just to accept, you know, I'm going to have anxiety. Life isn't forever. And I need to live in the moment. And even in the worst possible situation, I can still find something positive to cling to. That's that's good. Yeah. yeah and we talk a lot about that mm -hmm. in we our do. podcast, Living yeah. in the Moment. Living in the Moment. It goes with all of our Eckhart Tolle. Um, yeah. And living for your true path and right. like your existence mm -hmm. is meaningful. Yeah. Because you're mm -hmm. the one who defines what gives you meaning. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. So do you have any um, practical tips for someone um, who either has or has a family member who has um, mental health issues? Hmm. Well, I would think reaching out for help. Just there are so many hotlines out there and so many resources through the community that you can reach out for. And that's usually the hardest step, honestly, is just beginning finding somebody reaching out trying to get set up with mental health services mm -hmm. and sadly for some communities it's become a little harder it's not sadly mental health access isn't accessible for everyone right unfortunately right. and that's honestly something that does need to be improved in the system really yes yeah. especially in the state of texas i, I know yes. different yes. people in different states have an easier time getting mental mental health help right yes. and texas it's a lot harder. yeah a lot of a lot of states it's included in in your um, health benefit health care benefits but 
um, a lot of insurance in the state of Texas does not cover no. it. So, um, so it, that is a, a challenge and particularly in the, the more impoverished communities and yes. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Luckily, like since COVID and quarantine that, um, Luckily, I guess my insurance, it's now included, whereas mm-hmm. it wasn't before. Mine as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm glad that, and, and I'm, it's bad that it took a pandemic for, you know, that to happen right. in the state of Texas. <laughs> well, I, th- I think there people are finally starting to realize that lots of things cause mental health issues. Yes. They're not all just yeah. births. Right. And yes. yeah, and it, it's not all just depression or anxiety and, or trauma or whatever. Well, actually, obviously, COVID yes. causes a lot of trauma. That is trauma. But um, but they're realizing that there's a lot of factors that go into it and that pretty much everyone right now is. And that that kind of goes back to the thing I was saying earlier, that it's becoming more the norm and it's more understood that kind of everybody has their own issues to deal with and the world let's is just stressful. acknowledge them. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we're, we're talking about living with mental health issues or whatever. Um, we're, we're really kind of looking at it in two different ways. You know, it's, it's a little bit different to have mental health um, things going on for yourself as opposed to with someone that's a loved one or someone you live with or whatever. So we're looking at, uh, you mentioned getting help. What about, um, you know, that would be obviously for yourself, getting some help for yourself. Um, and you can look online to find resources there. And, and even if you can't afford it, there are often, um, free or low cost, um, resources that can help you with your, your mental challenges. So, um, don't be afraid to just do the research and, and just ask all the questions. There's so many books out now. Oh, there's lots of books. There's lots of stuff on the internet and, you know, go to your, your pastor at your church or, um, sometimes your human resources, um, people, depending on where you work, like if you're at a hospital or something, they can point you at different things. I, you know, I don't, there's, there are lots of places that you can get that information and, um, and those, those things are out there that are available. Just keep looking and don't give up. Right. But what about when you're living with someone, like say your parent has a mental illness and you've been raised by someone with a mental illness or your sibling has it and the impacts of the loved ones too. Yeah, that that could be a challenge too because uh you know, having parents or or a spouse that has mental illness is is very very challenging. But those resources are there also, I think, aren't yes. they? Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, and and that's a great place to start still is just looking online, asking asking your pastor, asking you know, different groups like that for for that assistance. Um and yeah, it's out there. Assistance is out there. You just have to 
be willing I, to look for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about support groups because I know there there's probably a lot of support groups. I, it, I'm thinking of this particularly like in my case, um, I'm caring for my mother who has dementia and she's not living in the house with us anymore, but you know, she was for a time and there are, I never got to make use of this resource because of COVID. Um, so they weren't having any meetings, but there were lots of caregiver support groups for people who are living with um, family members with dementia. And, and by that same standard, there are lots of support groups for um, people who are, you know, living with anxiety disorder or are married to someone who's living with anxiety disorder, addiction, addiction uh, disorders. Yes. Yeah. There's lots of things like that. Um, I, you know, and I can't name any of them specifically, but I bet if you put it in, it's probably a frequently searched item on Google or whatever, you know? So, um, I, I highly encourage you to talk and, and don't just talk to strangers, talk to your friends and your family, because you'll be surprised. I think how many of them will say, oh yeah, I had an uncle that had dementia and you know, my mom and dad were taking care of him because nobody else could or whatever, you know, um, people are more likely to talk about those things. It, it really just goes back to that. Again, don't be afraid to talk about it. The, the biggest part of living with it is finding that support where you are. And, and that support can come in a lot of different ways, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know it is a subject that's close to all of our hearts because we all have loved ones and we all know people that have suffered from mental disorders as well as ourselves. Like, um, I know I am just now at the age of 38 getting comfortable talking about my mental illness and the struggles that I go through daily just trying to get out of bed in the morning right and I, th I think one of the things when you're talking about living with a uh, mental illness or health mm -hmm. um, when you're referring to yourself living with it is you got to take every day one step at a time You've got to go easy on yourself. You can't beat yourself up about it if you have a relapse mm -hmm. or, or just a bad day. You know, depending on what your mental health is, some of us have bouts where it comes and goes. And then some people, it's an ongoing everyday thing. Right. Depending mm -hmm. on what, what, you da what you battle with. Um, you know, go easy on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. You know, live in the now. Don't, you know, worry about what happened yesterday. It's already happened Always look move, forward. Yeah, move right. forward. Well, and, and I think that support, you know, if you have, as someone living with mental uh, issues, you know, if you have a good support system like your spouse or someone who helps you remember to take your meds or mm -hmm. um, notices when you're, you know, not behaving in your normal capacity or whatever yeah. be comfortable okay. with that open dialogue about right. that too because that yeah. that i think that's helpful to have that person you know that has your back right, so right i think that's and an important part of it um especially really when, do. when you don't realize if, yeah, you're if you're in the middle of about and your spouse says hey are you feeling okay you you seem a little out of your norm 
you know, and just mm-hmm. being okay with that conversation. Yes. So that. Yeah, you don't have to be okay forward. all the time. You don't have to be, I'm good, I'm fine all it, the time. Yeah, it's right, okay right. to not be okay. And right. know that your spouse isn't trying to provoke you or, you know. Right. They're, they're, they're concerned. They're genuinely concerned. And I think a lot of times that some people get afraid when, you know, their mask is down, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> you know, especially when you have depression, when you suffer with like chronic depression and you're always wearing your mask and then, you know, maybe your mask slips and someone says, hey, you know, everything okay? You don't seem normal. You know, don't, don't be upset that someone yeah. noticed. They, right. they genuinely care. Right. And um, having that open dialogue with people and knowing who your safe zones are is important. Right. It is important to have those safe zones. If you yes. don't yeah. feel safe, then that's something you need to take into consideration because your health is a priority, it too. It is, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, Ashley, have you ever been in a situation where um, you felt like you couldn't talk to a therapist or a, a certain person or a, you know, like a school counselor or whatever, what did oh, you do or what? Definitely. Um, I think that's one of the most interesting things I've noticed about receiving my education and taking this path is I've been able to sort of assess my own mental health and assess my own experiences and look back on things that have happened and sort of to understand generational trauma, which is something that we use a lot in counseling or in psychology which I'm able to look at decisions that my parents made and that their parents made and their parents before them and I can understand more of why those decisions were made they weren't just doing those things just to be horrible just terrible people to me they were doing those things because that's what they learned they didn't know more than that and I mean I've definitely been in situations I mean I still struggle a lot with mental health I mean being a college student I'm under a significant amount of stress and mm-hmm. I'm in my 30s I'm a late in life college student and I had a 10-year gap between high school and college so there's a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of anxieties and things like that and I think a good thing about my college is that they have free mental health services offered to me I can reach out for that so I mean that also goes back into what to do if you find yourself in that situation like that's a wonderful resource yes. to have yes Yes. Yeah. And I think the school, your school counselor, your college. Yeah. And, and like I said, sometimes your person, your human resources department or whatever, sometimes where you work, um, sometimes has people in place for that. If, if you work in a, in a, one of those high stress fields or something where, um, you know, like firefighters and policemen and, and the medical professionals, you know, they live in these really high stress things. And there are resources that are available specifically to them for yes. that. Yes. So, yeah, I um, I appreciate you helping us with the, mm-hmm. you know, and talking to us about this because it's, um, it is a little bit different perspective. You're coming from the same perspective that we are as, as someone who struggles with this. And um, obviously, since you are in our family, um, we are familiar with the yes. generational trauma that you speak of um, because it has affected us as well. And and we watch some of the things that, that ha- you have lived through um, that were happening outside of us. But, um, 
Yeah. And, and I really appreciate you bringing that perspective along with your um, educational knowledge. And, and I realize you can't yeah. really give us any specifics because you're not a licensed therapist. No, I'm and, a baby psychologist. So yeah. Not even and, a psychologist. Yeah. And we're not, we're not trying to get you to, um, you know, give us counseling. And yeah. Yeah, we're not, yeah. we're not psychoanalyzing no. each other or anything like I am that. Not allowed to do um, that. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're really just talking about from the perspective of someone who lives with mental illness, deals with mental illness in, in the family, friend to friend, friend to friends, how, you know, what things can we, can we do to help each other? And, you know, that's one of the things that I love about modern musings. And, um, I hope that you listeners like it too, is that we are, we're here for each other and, um, having this close bond of women, you know, share being able to share and we have we have women outside of our or in our circle that are not part of the modern musings but they're still within our circle and um we spend a lot of time um talking and sharing with them our our personal um points of view and those things are very very near and dear to us and very helpful in our growth and understanding so you know, I, that's what I would like to encourage you listeners to find those people in your life that you can do that with. And, you know, if you can't do it with them, come over to the blog and, uh, you know, and leave comments there or go to the, the Facebook chat group and you can talk to us there because we are willing to share our, we are here, we are here sharing our personal experiences with you and, and in the hope that you will find some comfort in it as well. That is one. Um, my boss always used this phrase at work um, when, you know, you're trying to tromp along and do your daily grind and something doesn't work, like a program doesn't work. And then you just keep going. And then every day you come across it and it doesn't work. She always says like, well, don't just suffer in silence talk to someone about it because if you just keep coming across it as an issue a barrier in your life but you don't reach out and let people know no one can help you don't suffer in silence so if you feel like you might have a mental health issue or just have questions about it reach out do that research find someone to connect with there's no reason for anyone to suffer in silence. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to circle back to a question I think that Amber had asked early on, um, and we've kind of touched on it in a, in several different ways. Um, she talked about her mother working at the state mental hospital and um, in her, in her mother's mind, someone with bipolar disorder was this person that's, institutionalized yeah that committed crimes that or yeah and and that that far end of that spectrum of that disorder or whatever but um we all know that there could be you know your next door neighbor could be living with uh, a, a mental health issue your best friend could have a mental health issue and you wouldn't even know it if they didn't tell you um because you know if they're if they're well well cared for and they're they're they've sought treatment and they're in you know in control or whatever then then they could be handling their mental health issues 
in a way that you would never know that there there's there's a wide variety of mental health and that that stigma of uh one flew over one who flew over the cuckoo's nest or whatever you know um that that far end of the of the spectrum is not all there is to know about mental health that not everybody is a schizophrenic or whatever there's lots of different kinds of mental health issues and I also want to talk about um, not not just the different, you know, like different kinds like depression and things like that, but some of the, um, I don't know if they're really mental health issues like dementia, some of the more neurological things like autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, some of those things. Um, how do those fall within the mental health system? That's a little difficult because some of those things, like ADHD, for example, it's shares what we call comorbid. So it's basically OCD, depression, ADHD, they can share symptoms. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times if someone maybe has ADHD, they may also have symptoms of OCD as well. So, And as far as autism and things like that, there is some kind of back and forth does this belong in a mental health field does this belong in just health there's a lot of discussion there's There's not really a clear answer Mm -hmm. unfortunately i don't think about but but there as you are aware there's a lot of different kinds of um mental health you know like starting with just simple depression yes. and not all depression is uh the chronic depression that yeah like i you know it could be a situational depression or, uh, seasonal. Seasonal. or a seasonal affective disorder um yeah things like that um or something that you know happened you lost your job therefore you are yes. depressed well, and then or, you have ptsd which also. is the trauma yeah the traumas mm-hmm. um and lots of things called uh cause trauma a lot of people I know um, I've had this discussion with some other friends that there's a lot of things that can cause PTSD besides war. Yes. You know, um, we've, we've talked, Ashley and I have actually talked about this, um, that, you know, a lot of people associate PTSD with soldier, soldiers coming back um, from the war and the things that they saw. But sometimes things that happen to children in childhood can also also cause PTSD. Bad relationships can cause PTSD. Yes, and a, a simple car accident that yes. is exactly, and it doesn't even have to be a severe car accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of things can cause PTSD, and that's another one of those kind of invisible illnesses, for lack of a better word. It's it's something that you wouldn't necessarily know. Um, there is a person in this room that has PTSD. There may be four people in this room that have PTSD. I was about to say, I know I have it from being in a car accident and then the incident on a fair ride that happened to me that... Why don't you talk to us about those? Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's great. Because, Because, you know, just looking at me and talking and working with me, you know, or just passing me by at the grocery store, you wouldn't know that I suffer from that. But if you have me as a passenger in your car... Then that's a whole nother story. 
and you will probably never want me to be a passenger in your car ever again (laughs) because I'm not a very good passenger. I've almost grabbed a steering wheel from someone while they were driving and I have like flailed my arms out. I've yelled and screamed. She scares uh, me all passenger. the time. And I've literally had to like just revert to sitting in the back seat. I'm glad when there's more than two people in the car so I can opt to sit in the back seat. Um, I was on a, a, a ride at the fair where the ride, you know, kind of goes upside down in a big circle and um, the safety mechanism on the seat um malfunctioned and my seat was not properly securing me so every time we went upside down I was like falling out of my seat in the fair ride and I was like holding on for dear life and it caused PTSD and I actually didn't realize what had caused it until you know I went to therapy and you know was really working it out like I had been in a car accident and we thought maybe that's what it was Um, but then just kind of like talking about it and going backwards in time we realized oh I bet it's from that fair ride. And I actually, like, didn't get on a ride anywhere. Um, I was afraid to fly in an airplane, riding the bus, riding a train. I just had this, like, complete fear of loss of control. And uh, that, you know, talking about living with someone who has, uh, you know, mental health. You know, my family had to learn to cope with my mental health issue that I was Mm -hmm. battling because it made it difficult for their life. (laughs) Right. You know, so it, it, those are things that people go through that we might discount because it's not something that you see all the time. Um, well, and, and some people may have told you, you were overreacting. Oh gosh. Yes. I can't tell you how many times people got offended by me because I'm like crying in the car and I'm having a panic attack, like I'm in tears and right. they're just driving, you know, down the road and, you know, seeing the brake lights at, on the car in front of me would make me just instantly start panicking and crying and drivers would get upset with me, uh, you know, and I'm talking about drivers that are my friends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, you know, it, it's, that's kind of like having that open conversation with people and being with people that you trust who can understand yeah. you and you, if you once you explain to them I I have PTSD about cars I'm I'm it makes me really nervous and I might make some noises or I might grab your arm or something like that and see, I have the same problem with um like ladders and heights and things because as a child at twice in my childhood once in about first or second grade and then another time in third grade I fell from a large height um, you know, kids are, are want to climb trees and swing their legs over and slide down the pole off the balcony and, um, you know, flip around on the handlebars of the monkey bars or whatever, you know. And um, I actually was kind of doing some hanging from the clothesline one time and fell off the, the clothesline flat on my back, backwards. And then another time, um, like a year or two later, I was um, sliding off the pole like a barber, like a fireman's pole down the, down the pole off of the balcony and fell and landed flat on my back on concrete. I don't know how I didn't just break my back, but now 
you know, back then I had no fear of climbing in the trees or anything, but now I have this, this extreme fear of climbing. Even when I get up on a step or two of the step ladder, I feel very shaky if I don't have something to hold on to. And, and it just makes me panic. And I, sometimes I can go up, but I can't come down because my problem wasn't going up. It was coming down when I fell. So it, you know, that's another one that, that I have and nobody would know that that, but that is, that is a mental health issue. And it, and it does affect me in doing things, you know, because when I have to decorate the top of the Christmas tree or get up to the top shelf of the bookcase to get a book down, it, it affects me. And so, you know, it affects my daily life in a lot of ways. So, and, and, um, do you have anything like that, Amber or Ashley? Oh, yes, uh, definitely. I mean, I probably have, uh, well, when I was little and, um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love dogs, but I am very cautious around little dogs Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't, Kristen doesn't even know that she has little dogs and she probably wouldn't even know this, you know, if I haven't, because I'm really good at like masking it. Like I will, um, I love dogs and I, especially from a distance, you know, but when I was little, my cousin had a, uh, like a little cocker spaniel. And when I was little, that dog bit me in the face mm. And so I do not get my face near dogs, or at least I try not to. I don't like dogs to lick me on the face or jump in my lap. And um, if you watch me close enough when I'm handling a dog, if a dog gets near my face, I'll back up a little bit. I remember in college, one of your friend's dogs bit you in the face. Yeah, that yeah, was, that happened again I in know, college. Like, and I'm just they like... They just go for your face. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. bitten by probably like three times by a dog in the face and maybe dogs like realize that they can sense your fear they can sense my fear so they're gonna i always knew you weren't a dog person so it's not that i i don't hate dogs i love dogs it's just that because i've been bitten so many times by dogs it's really hard for me to get super close Mm -hmm. to a dog Mm -hmm. so what is that ashley when your fear manifests into fear physical symptoms phobia i mean thank you pretty okay, much yeah. phobia. <laughs> i was like i know there's a thing for that yeah yes. yeah so like yours is like a phobia of your of heights i do mm-hmm. i have a fear of heights mm-hmm. i do and and it's really crazy because i can go to six flags and ride a ride mm-hmm. but i but it makes me very nervous very very nervous mm-hmm. and very nerds till i get till i get up there and till it starts and then I'm kind of, ah, while it's going on, but then it's, when it's over with, I'm like, oh, that was fun. That was so much fun. But yeah, but it's Just initial anxiety. It's, it is. I have a, a lot of anxiety starting it. Um, it's not the same climbing a ladder though. The The ladder mm-hmm. is nerve wracking going up, coming mm-hmm. down. Well, I mean, it's really coming down, but, um, and while I'm at the top, not going up, but, um, I have a fear I don't have a fun of, at that. of heights and ladders, and so I'm going to tell an embarrassing story. This was a Mother's <laughs> Day that I came late to Mother's Day. This was like probably mm. five years ago. I had to change the filter on the air conditioner. 
and in our old house that my old roommate and I used to live in, uh, there was the garage had the attic stairs, you know, that come unfolded from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then the air conditioner was just inside, but you had to like go in the hole of the ceiling to get into the attic. It wasn't like I could stand halfway up the ladder to change the filter. I had to go in the attic. And um, I don't know if any, if you haven't ever gotten on one of those ladders, then you are lucky. They're not very stable and they kind of bend. Oh my gosh, I hate and wobble. Them. Like, I hate and those ladders. I don't ladders. know what like, I, I hate did, ladders. But I got turned around and then I couldn't figure out how to get out. And I just stood in the attic and cried for like 30 minutes because I couldn't figure out how to get out of the attic. Oh my gosh. I feel that, like that, that has happened to me before. Yes, like, I was traumatized <laughs> and it was May. And in Texas, your attic is about 130 degrees. It's hot. And yeah. I was dressed up for Mother's Day and I had like makeup done and everything. Oh, and I just thought I was going to go up there real quick and change the filter. And I guess I let my phobia get the best of me. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I no, mean, you haven't ever done that, have you? Let your phobia I mean, get the best of you? I don't drive. I mean, that would probably be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people don't realize. I kind of tell people I'm just being environmentally friendly. But um, yeah, I have horrible phobia of driving it just triggers because i have anxiety disorder as well and Uh that just triggers my anxiety disorder i don't like the feeling of driving i prefer to walk or take the bus (laughs) yeah so so that's truly living with uh, mental health yeah. disorder. But, you, but you've learned Anxiety. to cope with it. You've found yes. ways that help you cope with that, right? Yes. Found ways so. to socially cope with it by yeah. telling people without having to like dig Go into, into your whole yeah. background. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, I had a height story to tell, but oh. we're, we're going like. No, it's good. I like the sharing because. I felt like when you talked about being afraid on the ladder that normalized it a little bit. It and does. That that's why I say yeah. it. That's why I keep trying to encourage us to share those stories. Because yeah. Because it does. Because the whole idea is that you're living with it and we are sharing with other people that we do live with it. We are not like up on some pedestal just because we have a podcast or a mm-hmm. blog for crying out loud. Yeah. That's everybody's blog is all about how their life is so hunky-dory. And yeah. yeah. I live this perfect life. Yes. That people. People put on Facebook all the things that are perfect in their life. Oh, look at this awesome dinner. Look at this cute dress. Look at this vacation. No, and now I wish I had taken a picture of myself, you know, looking down the hole in the ladder. Right. And, you know, talked about that. Yeah. Instead of waiting until five years later to actually tell someone about that. Because I don't think I've ever told anyone about that. No, she didn't. She didn't say anything. She didn't even... Yeah, when she came to Mother's Day. Yeah, or this is yeah. the first time I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. but that was it was traumatic to me. Like it, in a sense, it like ruined my day. Oh yeah, you know. I could tell the story mm-hmm. about like I won't wear shoes with like a heel anymore. Oh yeah, like, go ahead. Well, I mean, uh, speaking of a uh, height story, as far as um, I mean, I can tell y'all, you guys, like. Um, Kristen knew me back, like, right when I got out of high school, how I used to love to wear platform shoes and heels and stuff like that. And I, uh, well, I have, like, two incidences in my past where I had um, worn, like, some fancy shoes and went to, went out dancing and I broke my knee. 
And so for the longest time, I couldn't get up on heights because I was afraid. Like every time I stepped wrong or did anything wrong, I would get like the sensation and the feeling of ripping the cartilage in my knee in my head and it was just like a every time I climbed up on something and I imagined falling and landing on my knee Mm. I would get that sensation and I would just shudder well you know after after a while you know that kind of goes away and your knee gets better and then a few years ago you know I started wearing heels and stuff again Uh, you know I lost a little bit of weight started wearing heels and stuff again and um, platform shoes kind of started coming back out. And so I bought a pair of these really cute platform sandals. And then lo and behold, I'm coming back from a school trip at work. And I'm wearing my platform sandals. And I step in a hole and break my foot. Oh. Yeah. And so now, like, I can't even, like, try on heels or platform sandals because I feel like I'm gonna like trip and break my foot again or Mm -hmm. fall in a hole Mm -hmm. or something like that Ashley is there anything significant where like repetitive like physical trauma becomes where something manifests into mental mental health Mm, trying to think I mean, I think it could just be conditioned mm-hmm. into yeah. you. That, a conditioned response, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That if I'm going to wear something with a heel, that I'm going to fall and because break something. Because you've had that it's experience. A pain, a pain avoidance. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But it can manifest into something more serious if not treated because then you will constantly try to do whatever you can to avoid pain. Right, right. Yeah. Some people would go as far as to stop wearing shoes because they would say like the shoes cause right the right. pain yeah and then that becomes like a ocd almost type of mm-hmm. ritual mm-hmm. I, I yeah there's that. a lot of things like that yeah and and like like you were saying it's good for us to share these things because um you know it's good to be it's good to normalize these things it's Everybody has their own neuroses. That's what I yeah. always say. So yeah, I mean, everybody has a thing. You can look at me. I'm a psychology student. I have I've was diagnosed with clinical depression at ten years old and anxiety mm-hmm. soon thereafter. And I mean, speaking about PTSD, I was homeless for a period of time after my mother passed away. So I have PTSD from that. I have still PTSD from realizing things about my childhood and you would never know by looking at me or even probably talking to me no. for a short shorter period of time unless I shared it with you so that kind of goes to show you know mental health problems really are there I mean they're they're an yeah. invisible they're an invisible um what are they, I, I've heard people call it that the invisible illness or whatever and and don't just assume that because you don't see yeah. people hurting on the outside that they aren't dealing with something on the inside and and it's really important that we understand people that have problems or that are having emotional health um issues or whatever um, that we accept those issues and and normalize mm-hmm. them into our society and and that we're a little bit more kind about it. And, That's you know. exactly what I was about to say. The 
takeaway for me right now is just to be kind to people because you don't know what yeah, you don't know what everyone's happened. battle is. You're right, right. You don't know who's having the bad day, and and mm-hmm. um, you know there there's there was a story that used to circulate on the internet about the little boy, and um, you know he used to go home. And every day the bigger boys would pick on him or whatever and pick on him and pick on him until one day he wasn't there anymore. And, and you know, they started asking, you know, what happened. And, and the little boy had killed himself. And he was like a 10-year-old boy or something. Um, and, you know, and suicide is, it's it's a mental health problem and you can't undo it. And you don't know when someone is having um a a problem or they're having a really bad day and your lack of understanding of where they're at your unkindness might push them over the edge and that's not saying that it would be your fault but right. why would you want to contribute to that um you know and let's let's all be a little kinder and and try to help them away from that ledge you know what that brings it all back to creating that new earth oh absolutely you know i everything 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 comes comes back back to eckhart tolle Tolle. (laughs) like uh creating that new earth and being kind and Stepping away from the ego and and realizing and, that what they're do what's happening with them is not, you know, it's not meant their to hurt true you. Self, it's their ego yes, taking over. And, yeah, and yeah. and just be un, more understanding of people. Yeah. Did you have something to add there, Miss Ashley? Oh no. Oh okay. Okay. Well, I guess uh, that's about all for our podcast. I want you guys to. Uh, Click on our blog and uh, comment on our blog. Follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Modern Musings, MMC. Check out our Facebook group, MMC Chat, and uh, or send us an email, info at modernmusings.net. And uh, let us know what uh, you think of our topic today living with mental illness do you have any stories to share please let us know and let's continue the conversation we would also like to thank our sponsors and the people that provide our equipment creative audio tech and red door studios okay well uh, also uh, we have a topic coming up next week what's our topic Kristen? Next week, we're going to be talking about favorite morning routines. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely tune in next week and listen to us talk about morning routines and share your morning routine. And special thanks to Ashley Roberts for joining us in the studio today. It was a great time listening to her perspectives on psychology and mental health. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we hope to have you again sometime, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. It's very enlightening. Okay, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Not really, but... Uh... Ah, she always gets that in. <laughs> she time. sneaks it in on purpose. I, I know. I did, this time I did it on purpose. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. bye.